Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. I said to you, though, Merry Christmas. Jeremy, you know me. The last 10 days stretch, Merry Christmas all round. I get very fired up for the holidays. Um, you know, the decorations are up and everyone's excited. Winter is coming, so to speak. You know, Jeremy? You're wishing me a Merry Christmas. I'm like, it's nine days out and like you got to get everybody in the mood. Like, it's, it's festival. Are you listening to a lot of Christmas music? All right. Like, when do you start your Christmas music listening? I mean, this won't surprise you, but I'm not really a Christmas music guy. Really? I'm a pretty big Christmas movie guy. I don't really enjoy the music very much, unfortunately. What's um, your favorite Christmas movie? Great question. I think Elf is a classic. Um, Fair. A Christmas Story is great. It's a Wonderful Life is, I mean, that's like, you know, that's that's it's, it's cliche, but that's a masterpiece, right? Wonderful film. You know, so that, I don't mind. There's some obvious ones. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I mean, Die Hard seems cliche. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, Home Alone. Home Alone's definitely a Christmas movie as well. I do like Elf. That's a good one. I feel like you was quite controversial there with your answers. You know, I don't want to cause really? debate. Yeah, I don't want to cause debate on tonight's show, but try not to bring up Die Hard. I don't want to get into that on the air. Fair. Um, no, no I, I love Christmas. Um, wrestling at Christmas is good too. Right. Winter is coming, yeah. Winter is coming. I mean, next week looks fine. We'll get to that obviously on tonight's show. But did you Cody uh, Christmas? Cody Christmas. I know. Oh yeah, about man. That. Did you? Was you fired up last night? Where are you at on this whole Broadway thing? Because this is look, the sixty-minute draw is the most controversial topic in professional wrestling history. Not true at all, but I'm going to say it. Um, and nowadays, everyone's scared of it before it even happens. Where was you at on it as it was unfolding in front of our eyes? Well, if people tuned into a show we did on youtube.com slash Fightful Distraction earlier this week, yeah. someone who also writes for this website, allegedly, uh, apparently, you know, he kind of hinted that a 60-minute draw might be happening. So I kind of prepared myself for it, you know? Right. And But even as it was unfolding, I was still engaged the entire time, man. Like, I was – it didn't drag – at all as far as did it need to happen the hangman could have won in that final minute and it wouldn't have hurt anything honestly yeah i was thinking about this a lot so firstly do you think it do you think it enhanced your enjoyment of the match or hurt it that you kind of knew it was going to go 60 i thought it was going to hurt it but as it was as it was playing out like it didn't right at all because it was so good like it, it was so good and the commercials they, they they played it out smartly like a lot of the commercial break 
I mean, at least two of them. You know, the one where like Hangman's on the outside the entire time getting attended to, and the one yeah. after the the table dive as well. Like they just did they did a lot of double down spots during during the commercial break. So like you didn't really miss any of the action, and it was picture in picture. Um, but when it was actually live, like it was full full bore action. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, I have to say, <laughs> I think so. I as you as you said perfectly. I kind of referenced this last night. It's like I kind of got the sense that the sixty minutes thing was where they were going. You know, Sean had, had hinted at, and as soon as I thought about it, I was like, "Oh, that's what they'll do at Battle of the Belts. They'll run it back." You know, and then when they opened, it was like they're one hundred percent going sixty minutes. And so I was basically set up not to bite on anything until like the last ten minutes. And I still loved it. I watched it today with my dad, who was like, you know, much much less in the loop and wasn't sitting there expecting a brawl by like a fucking nerd. Dude, that is a that might be the best match of the year, man. It's it's a it's an incredible match. Like, do you know what's amazing about that match? And I was thinking about this a lot earlier. It sounds dumb to say this because it was a 60-minute match. By definition, it wasn't epic, okay? It was obviously ambitious in terms of the time they went. But it wasn't like it wasn't ambitious or optimistic in terms of it had all these great sequences and all this stuff that blew your mind and would look great on a GIF. It was just beautiful pro wrestling, you know? Maybe the best wrestler ever at the peak of his powers in control of a match, leading it as a heel. Opposite, a guy putting in one of the best babyface performances I've seen in years, selling, fighting uphill, you know, peaks and valleys and just fact, the, the storytelling was just, it was remarkable, man. Like, some of the stuff they did and, like, you know, Brian basically dominating things, always taking it to the mat when he needed to and then, like, making certain mistakes when he kicked the post. And it was, um, it sounds dumb not to say it was like a, it was obviously an epic, it was 60 minutes long, but it was just, it was bread and butter, you know? It yeah. was such a beautiful match. You could That kind of match could air, other than a couple of spots, that match could kind of, that could have aired four years ago and been a classic. And I mean, uh, to me, that's a compliment. It's timeless, you know. Jay Blood kind of kind of mentions the same thing here. He says, "When the match was over, felt like I watched something that was nearly seamless, and the the way Savage and Steamboat was." And I was going to mention sort of something similar. Like it felt very effortless. It did not feel like they were. We kind of knew they were going to sixty. Um, yeah. But it it felt so effortless with these guys. It didn't feel like they were like trying to build this epic. And like you said, like it clearly was it went 60 minutes but it it didn't feel like they were trying to like hammer that home like uh certain people will will try to do um like it went 60 but it was engaging the entire time man it was engaging the the entire time now the the kind of people have the debate on going 60 i think my bigger sort of issue and it's not even an issue but a talking point is like they've done two big danielson matches now and Two of the two of them have ended in in time limit draws. The thirty minutes with Omega and this going sixty minutes. Like, mm-hmm. is that is that a crutch? Should they just beat Danielson? Should they you know not book him in matches where he's going to lose if they don't want to lose if they don't want him to lose after sixty minutes? People sort of want to finish on this stuff. Like, where are you at with them kind of making Danielson Mister Time Limit Draw? I like it because I think it suits his skill set and just his whole vibe. I think if you don't like it, that's absolutely fair. I've talked about this a lot recently, Jeremy. I think there's a real problem with every differing opinion being branded bad faith. Yeah. 
There is just the reality that some people are not going to like a 60-minute draw. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I have no problem with it. As you know, Jeremy, I'm a nerd for the time in which that was, you know, in vogue. So it would make sense I have no problem with it. I will say, though, this was not a purposeless 60-minute draw, right? Because let's be honest about it. How did the first match end? The, you know, the Arthur Ashe match with Kenny and, and Brian. Brian had him beat, right? He had him in the submission. And the idea, the story they were trying to capture was that Brian didn't really respect Hangman and just thought if he took him to deep waters, he would drown him. He's, you know, he's a champion wrestler and, and Hangman really isn't that. He's a one-hit wonder. That was the idea. So to flip it on his head and then after 60 minutes, Brian had to be saved by the bell. I think some of us in the bubble, frankly, and we've all been guilty of this at different times, I think we have lost sight of why that was in the playbook to begin with that match. So you and I, Hangman is the champ and the top guy. I think that match did more than those of us in the bubble will ever realize for Hangman as a champion level wrestler. It's one thing to be a feel-good story, and I think you and I and everyone that watches AEW closely kind of knew anyway Hangman was great. This was a complete, like... This solidified Hangman as a top-tier professional wrestler in the world. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think he's he had the range to pull off a 60-minute match. They're very difficult to do. And, and look, maybe Brian led the way, but let's be real. This was both parties here were, were wonderful. I think this kind of made Hangman. And people may scoff at that because, like, he's the champ, and that's fair. Maybe it's just my perspective. But I don't think you can underestimate just how rare this is and how special it felt to people that wasn't like you and I sitting there at minute two going, they're going 16. <laughs> Cause I get, I've watched my dad, you know, my dad's been watching this product now for three, four months and he's seen Hangman wrestle like three times. He's seen Brian wrestle over and over again. Right. And there is definitely a portion of this audience that just thinks, basically that just thinks that Brian is a tier above everyone else. And frankly, they're not wrong. This put Hangman right alongside him as a performer, which I think matters more than people realize. Like, I thought it kind of elevated Hangman. I don't know where are you at on that whole part of it. I'm I'm totally with you because like, I never knocked Hangman's like in ring ability. I yeah. knew he was good, and but he's in a company with a lot of very very good professional yeah. wrestlers. The, the the sort of quote unquote knock on Hangman was that it was a lot of character stuff, right? Like, that's what you got invested in. You got invested in Hangman because the story they were telling with the character, not because he was going out there and having these great matches, even though he was having very good matches uh, during the, the, the build-up with the Kenny Omega match. And the Omega match was, was very good because, and look, he's working Kenny Omega. The story was there. Everyone was waiting on that moment, and, and they, they nailed that. This, like you said, like really just solidified him as like, yeah, this guy can just totally go. Like there's no doubt about him as a, a bell to bell kind of in ring guy who can carry that of like giving you these great matches that now people sort of have come to expect with AEW world title. Like the, no issues with that after last night. Yeah. Maybe Danielson let it. He's, you know, he's, he's the all time goat in my opinion. Um, but like you go 60 minutes, you got to do your part on that. And this was more than hangman just like doing his part and, and getting carried. He was right there alongside Danielson. For, for the majority of it. So I'm with you. I think it like really did a lot to, to further establish Hangman as like that guy that you can, that you see carrying this company as that in-ring uh, worker. I think it's difficult, right? I understand why, especially nowadays, everyone is kind of scared of rematches. 
because let's be honest, and I'm not I mean, I'm talking about a turn here. The other place has kind of abused those, right? And you yeah. get rematches that are repeats. They aren't they aren't, you know, stories that are developing. They're just running matches back to full TV time. I thought this match last night was a really great opportunity to do something singular in the promotion's history to produce a match that a whole generation will remember as their 60-minute draw. Because believe it or not, folks, not everyone that watches AEW Dynamite has watched Flair's Greatest Hits, okay? <laughs> there will be a fan that in 20 years is doing a podcast like this and talks about that night they went 60 minutes. I promise you. It isn't as common as people would think, you know, on the mainstream scale. So to be able to do that and then set the stage for a rematch where you have, you can build on it. You know, when they eventually wrestle again, and I think it'll be Battle of the Bells, but they could do it whenever. I don't, you know, I'm not locking that in. You could do the complete opposite. You could shock people and do a, just, you know, trade bombs for 25 minutes and get out of there. Or you can build on this and Brian could go insane. We know Brian previously famously had plans of a 180 minute match, which sorry to hear that. Good luck. Um, Hope for hangman's sake, that idea has been stricken from the brain. But you know, I just, sometimes I think we can get lost in the idea of like right and wrong in wrestling. And here's what I mean by that, Jeremy, okay? If I just said to you instinctively before you'd even seen this, hangman could A, have his first title defense in a draw, or B, he could win three matches emphatically in 15 minutes, you probably would say fairly, have him win the damn matches, right? He just won the belt, making champ. Yeah. But in reality, it wouldn't have been more impactful if he'd have just been against, you know, Scorpio Sky or Hobbs or Ricky Starks or, you know, even Babyfaces, Darby, King, whoever. This was impactful because they actually kind of had people fearing that he was going to lose the belt. And so a draw here was more valuable than a throwaway title defense that we all knew he was going to win. And that isn't traditional thinking, maybe, but it's very real. I mean, with this audience, we can't we can't forget that audience was into every minute of that match. I mean, they were quiet at times because it's a 60-minute match, but they never lost them, not even for a second, I don't no. think. And, I mean, the last five minutes, they bit on false finishes. They were actually starting to bite on them at 20 minutes, which is bonkers because they kept them the whole way. I just – I think sometimes you have to remove your kind of – like the way you fought beforehand, not you, because we basically agree on this. But I mean, if you'd have told me before and they're going six minutes since the draw, I'd have been like, oh, that sounds like overcomplicated. But I watched the match. <laughs> and the match, like, the match removed any of those doubts. I thought we elevated Hangman. And the thing that we need to get into here, and I believe it was the title or it was the thumbnail or it was something. I think you tweeted it. I don't know. This is, I think, yet another tick for Brian Danielson as the greatest wrestler ever in that argument. And I think it's a very real conversation worth having, but I don't want to move on from this completely yet. When do you think we are getting this rematch, Jeremy? Do you have any read on that? Uh, Battle of the Belts makes sense, but that's only an hour special. So if, if you're doing that, then and maybe it's just a, a one match thing. And then, because yeah. like if you announce a second match, you're, you're, you're you're telegraphing that, that that match is going to end, which I think most people are going to expect a, a conclusion to to Hangman right. and Danielson next time. But I don't think you like what just want to outright telegraph that. I think you just rather do it like an hour and then I don't I don't know what you do for for that second hour. You do an impromptu match or something. Um, they might be a. I don't know if they can hold this off until pay per view on Revolution. Yeah, it's a long but, time. 
Yeah, that's because that's beginning of March. Like that's that's a very long time to to try to hold this off. Maybe they do it the first TBS show because at least then you have two hours to play with. And so if you announce uh, uh, extra matches like you like you did last night, um, with with you know they had four matches announced going into it, so you're gonna announce extra matches and it'll be okay. Like, do you think they do like an Iron Man stipulation? I, I hope they don't do that. I don't. I don't really want to see that. I think what I would do, and we are working on the assumption that Battle of the Belts is indeed one hour because we don't know for sure yet, right? Yeah, I I think that is not like fully reported or not right. like fully announced, but that seems to be the what it's going to be. How would you feel about? And this this is the perfect way to separate it from Rampage. To be fair, if it is one hour, how would you feel about framing it as just? that match and you basically say there is no time limit tnt has given us this tv time for this match we're going to get straight to the action we're going to do the entrances to start we're going to get to the ring and obviously it wouldn't go to an hour so you'd get out there in an hour because like look i would pop for them doing like a really insane sprint in contrast but i think brian's probably going to take the sequel far too you're probably going to take you know you're probably going to go 50 i think because i've seen him do similar in you know 16, 17 years ago, because wrestlers lost forever now. Um, I think that would be a really cool way of making Battle of the Belts like feel like its own commodity just this one time. You know, like Rampage has had some big cards. So, how do you make Battle of the Belts, if it is one hour, feel truly special? We're just framing it as we have got this time for our world title match. We're pretty epic. And then what you could do is you could do the buy-in on YouTube, give people some nice matches for an hour there, two-hour slot with the YouTube half, like the way they did with the Suzuki Bryant match, you know? I, I think they, they got to do something else, whether it be YouTube or I, I assume they're taping something. They'll because, tape something if not, yeah. Yeah, because for the live audience, it ain't just going to be like a, a one-hour show. Right. Uh, maybe you do like a reserve, like you announce a reserve bout, and you're like, you know what? If this doesn't happen, it'll take place on on next week's Dynamite, mm-hmm. something like that. Like you just have you have something on reserve that if it does in short, then you can do the, this extra match out there. Like maybe that's one way to go. The buy-in thing, a buy-in makes sense. Like I don't know, a post-buy could make sense as well of like you just do you do matches after after the thing and that's where you kind of go into the reserve of like okay this is supposed to be on the post buy but because the match ended early now we're going to put this on the main main show type of yeah yeah there's a lot of ways you could do it because you could also if you wanted to you could frame it the way i said but then you could actually have the match finish with like 10 minutes left of the broadcast and like yeah. we would with any great sporting event, you could actually give Hangman some interview time. You could have the announcers kind of put a bow on it and be like, that's, you know, one of the great matches. But I don't know. I, I just, I'm really intrigued by playing with the format. I brought up as an example of it, and Jeremy, this will pop you because it's hilarious and dumb, but it's just my example. Remember when the UFC first landed on Fox and they hilariously yeah. booked Kane and JDS and it ended yes. in a minute? Because <laughs> Kane didn't follow the game plan. Now, as easy as it is to forget because of, for a range of reasons, you know, because the fight ended in a minute, as you said, didn't follow the game plan. There was an incredible feeling about the way that was framed, right? Having like the presentation with the, you know, the panel talking about this one fight. Yeah. Man, would it be something. Imagine you had, imagine you had Bret Hart, Arn Anderson, you know, Jake Roberts sitting there with, with Shivani building up this match, like this singular match. 
There have all these big matches, but this one, we just saw these guys go an hour. This is a one-off in AEW history. We have time tonight to settle the score. That really intrigues me. And I get why people would kind of roll their eyes out because they want a super card, not a super match. But I want to stress again, man, just because we're familiar with this as a, as a move in, the, you know, like a thing you can do, you can do a Broadway, right? You can do an hour draw. That is not necessarily the case for the wider wrestling audience. And honestly, there is like a generation, maybe two, that has never experienced truly what this is. I think Cena did one. Didn't yeah. Cena do one with Sean with Shawn Michaels? Or like a, he did like an hour match, maybe not a draw, but an hour match. Cena, Cena and Punk went an hour, didn't they? I don't know. I forget. I forget. But, um, you know, they said it was the longest match in AEW history, obviously, but they said that at like the 40-minute mark. This is not, you know, back in Ring of Honor, man, like Brian got really comfortable doing these long matches. This was really the first look of it. So I think maximizing it's important. I don't disagree if someone said to me, actually, Battle of the Belts is too soon. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. The issue is, who else is going to wrestle Battle of the Belts? You know, I don't know. Because that's what we talked about on the grin last Friday, latenightgrin.com, was that what is the match for Hangman? We were assuming he was going to beat Brian. Okay, who's going to wrestle Battle of the Belts? What do you think? Like, it feels like this is the answer to that, to me anyway. I mean, we we tossed out last night or sometime this week. We did too many shows. Um, Briscoe's FTR at Battle of the Belts because it's in North Carolina, and we think they're setting up that next week uh, that angle. So, like that that's that's potential there, and that maybe that's the one where you you, you put that on on the post buy type of thing, or that's your reserve match, and then you can still deliver that if uh, Brian Hangman goes short. I'm fine with like we don't know what the format is for yeah. these TNT specials. That's the thing is like we don't know. We know they have these quarterly specials. This is Battle of the Belts. People make assumptions about what what you know that actually means. The the name of it of okay, are you going to do title matches like all title matches? Are you do title versus title match like what are you doing? Does this mean the world champions facing the TNT champion? People don't exactly know what what right. these quarterly specials mean. What if they're what the name is supposed to mean behind it, if anything. Uh, I'm fine with them doing anything with the format because we don't know what it is right now. So mm -hmm. you can you can do something different. People have these expectations based on, I guess, like Clash of Champions, and obviously they're going to read into the name and everything. But if Tony Khan just like his Battle of the Belts, like the, the belt of the AEW world title, and I mean, Danielson didn't have a belt, but the belt of the fucking the greatest of all time. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to present this as just one big fight. You're right about the, the UFC format. Like, that was that was always a weird decision for, for yes, them to do that because they had, <laughs> what was the, like, Guida against Pettis was on that show. It was Guida right? and um, Benson, I think. Benson, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, so like that was on there. Like, wait, that's on Facebook. That should probably be on Fox. Right. Um, but they, they did something different with it, and I don't. It wasn't great, especially because of the way the main <laughs> event ended. But with wrestling, you can obviously do it a little bit different because you ain't ended that match in a minute and thirteen seconds. Right. Exactly. You can just, you know, people talk about sport presentation, right? And everyone scoffs at it because, like, they do comedy, and I just I think people lose they you know kind of lose the plot with that stuff. Sports style presentation doesn't necessarily mean rounds and, you know, everyone talking about the, the, the kind of the majesty of the sport, like match striker. It can just mean selling matches the way that combat sports sell fights. Yeah. Which like, look, I don't think I'm like the other promotion just hasn't done that for a long time. And that's fine. That's their choice. 
AEW has had moments where they've done that brilliantly. Like that last pay-per-view where you had King and Punk, Hangman and um, and Kenny, that had the vibe as a fan of like one of those stacked UFC cards where you had these great stories overlapping. Um, and this was like a chance to really have fun with that. I will say, and this is one thing where I'm kind of cautious, is like I don't mind not doing a Battle of the Belts, especially if you want to get to Revolution. You do need to give Hangman this win sooner than later. Um, yeah. Because if he if he wrestles people that are far inferior next, like if he was to, and that, that sounds mean, but it's, you know, it's Brian Danielson, guys. If, it could be anyone they're inferior over him. But you get what I'm saying, right? If he has kind of like placeholder defenses while Brian goes and has great matches trying to reclaim number one spot, that could backfire somewhat. I actually don't think that's what they're going to do at all. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just... I, I really, especially on the rewatch, I was just in awe of how, just how brilliant Brian Danielson is. And I want to stress again, because this is very important we get this across. I think we've both said it enough times, but it's just one last time. That is not a slight on Hangman, who was just remarkable last night. Like, just a brilliant baby face that's connected with people so, just so seamlessly, and they really do love him. To the point where Brian was getting real heat last night because they wanted Hangman to win so much. He's the ace of the promotion. He's the guy you can hang your hat on for the next, you know, five years and up. However, <laughs> that man, Brian Danielson, is something else. I mean, he he didn't even look blown up. He was doing jumping jacks. And when he, I, I said it like that, when he gets in the ring and he just like flexes, poses, does all oh, the shit. Like, <laughs> he's just, I just cackle. He's having so much fun just being a dick. You notice he came out of the face tunnel though joseph still a baby face he's being a dick but he did come out of the baby face tunnel uh but he's having so much fun with this shit um real quick i'll get to Danson in a second because you know i'll talk about Danson all day the end the ending of the match is great but like when danielson's got him down he's like i'm gonna kick his fucking head in and he starts kicking his fucking head in and then when hangman gets him he's like now i'm gonna kick his fucking head in Yes. Taz was great on that because that part of the match was when he started being like, oh, you want some cowboy shit? And he was like kicking him. And Taz yeah. goes, Taz goes, I think Danielson may have lost his composure a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, the idea was at the start of the match, you had the hothead in Hangman getting frustrated, right? And by the end of the match, Danielson was so befuddled as to why he couldn't finish it that he was getting really pissed off. And they were just, you know, I mean, it can't be overstated. Again, I'm circling back to Hangman here because you just, when you talk about the match, more and more stuff comes to mind. Hangman doing the land on his feet deal from the from the back suplex. Yeah. That was at fifty five minutes in. That was. I mean, insane. I just. He's you know both of them are incredible, but yes, I honestly sometimes watch Brian Danielson. And before I go any further, I haven't watched as much wrestling as some. I've watched more than others. Everyone has their own history books, right? Like I can't tell you he's the best wrestler ever known. I've watched every wrestler. I haven't. Plain and simple. However. There are times I've watched him, especially in this AEW run, and I have legitimately been like, not only do I think he's better than anyone else I've ever seen, he is brilliant in a way that may be like completely separate from me. He may be in like his own tier at this point for me. You look at his run in AEW, man. Look at the matches he has racked up since September. <laughs> like, dudes. It's just it's so it's so lazy to sit here and be like Brian Danielson's good, but I think it's worth us sitting here and talking about how great this man is because 
he's so brilliant that you can almost take for granted he's genius. He's like he's on his own he's on his own level, man. He's he's something else, Jeremy. Take, go somewhere with this so I don't just sit here and talk about how great he is for the next half an hour. Go. <laughs> we we mentioned it a few weeks ago of oh, we think Omega is is the wrestler of the year. Yeah, change my and mind. Then- <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, man, Danielson's got the the John Silver match and the Hangman match. Yeah. Like, he's gonna go for it. And like the silver match, he went for it. The hangman match, he was like, I'm not going to go for it. I'm just going to fucking win it. Like, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to take it. And I'm kind of with you. <laughs> he might wrestle next week as well and just really solidify it even more. Yes. He, he is literally like built different when it comes to this shit mm-hmm. because he does all the small, all the small stuff that you love. He makes everything look brutal. He can he can wrestle a variety of styles that you know not everybody can do. He he's just good, man. He's like, just different, man. He's he just... is like it's tough to just come up with the the superlatives for him. But like it's not even you know people are like oh Danielson he doesn't have well, they're not on him like charisma or whatever. Like you yeah, watch just... that guy. Like you watch him in the ring, the crowd is you mentioned the crowd earlier. Like it's an hour long match. Like, yeah, they came down at certain points. Like, what, what do you expect? Like the people were there and with him, the and with Hangman the entire yeah. hour. And he's so good at like just milking stuff. We watched the uh the Kenta match in, in ROH and where like he fucks up and he's like, I don't fuck up. <laughs> you are champion. <laughs> like he's so good in those environments, man, of just like playing and reacting to the crowd yeah. and everything. That's a dude who just like he he goes out there and like he actually does like listen and gets it and can modify and do what he needs to do to take the crowd on the ride that, that they didn't need to be taken on. There's not you know the knock on flare is like oh you've seen one match you, you've seen them all and things like that. It's like Danielson's gonna do something different every single time and he's going to just play with the crowd and whatever they're reacting to whatever they're doing he's gonna make sure he gets the most out of that it's similar you uh we've told the story on here before but like the uh the tanahashi aj story that we both yes. love yeah. and when aj's got him in the the calf crusher and tanahashi's like reaching for the ropes and everything and aj's like grab the rope like what are you doing grab it and he's like oh and then he finally grabs it and like he hears the crowd rise and get the pop he's like oh man like i didn't know what he was doing but then i got it like that's yeah. every brian danielson He's just – there's a great tweet. Dex Harwood said this before. On, I believe it was a tweet. He was like, wrestling fans have really convinced themselves that um, charisma is just like wearing colorful clothes. And like, yeah. Brother, if you don't think Brian Danielson's charismatic, I mean, like in the ad break when Hangman was getting the – you know, the, which was like the one moment where the match kind of – they give themselves a breather, right, when he took when yeah. he had the head entry. And Brian is standing in the middle of the ring, and he's like – he's talking shit. He's grinning wide. He's doing jumping jacks. And he goes like this to do the yes thing. Like he gets in position and the place come up and then he does the middle fingers around the building. And it's like, bro, he's, and here's the other thing too. And this is really important. Look at the range of matches in terms of time that he's had that you could consider at least good. Cause that dude had matches with Cesaro on WWE TV. That was like four minutes long. (laughs) And were like bangers, you know, like these tiny little TV matches he had. He had some great TV matches with Jey Uso. The Roman Reigns matches were, you know, I mean, the the, the match and the Triple Threat Mania were great. And then you look at AEW, okay? 
he has had really nice, efficient TV matches. John Silver, Bobby Fish, there's some other examples. He has had a bruising kind of like Clash of the Titans style match with Eddie Kingston. I think when 16 minutes, remember that match? Remember how red Brian's chest was in that one? <laughs> Where he kind of shocked me in that I thought he was going to control the match and beat Eddie up, and he sold the whole time. It was incredible. You have the 30-minute epic with Kenny Omega that lived up to everyone's expectations and more. Beautiful match. You have this. You have the Miro match that you love. Especially, I remember you talking about how brilliant that was, and I agree with you. He's... Dude, Joseph, Joseph. Yes. He wrestled fucking Suzuki this year. <laughs> Yes, Suzuki. I mean, the Suzuki <laughs> he wrestled match. Suzuki. I came on this show and was like, I'm not sure this is going to live up to the hype because of the circumstance. And they give you like the perfect greatest hits match where he's so brilliant that Suzuki felt the need to mat wrestle again, which he hasn't done since like 2012 because he doesn't need to anymore. <laughs> they were on the mat. It's just, he's a, he's honestly, and it's, it's so difficult because I, I think Kenny Omega, if someone says to me Kenny Omega is the wrestler of the year, Firstly, not only do I not think they're wrong, I think in my my brain may actually agree with that, you know, especially when you consider there's someone in our Discord that laid it out perfectly. I think it was Dave. Like, there is other factors with rest of the year, right? Like, you can't, there's sort of, there's, there's narrative elements, there's what they meant to the business. Kenny was champ in a range of places, you know, a lot of stuff. But <laughs> it is, each time I watch Brian... I can't help myself, you know? And like, I think Eddie Kingston's in the argument. But then each time I watch Brian, right or wrong, he leaves me with very little doubt. And I'll be honest, I thought this match was going to be great because I think Brian Danielson's the greatest wrestler ever and I think Hangman Page is damn good too. It was unlike anything I could have envisioned. You know, I, I thought they were going to have a nice physical 20, 25-minute match. And of course, this is the guy Brian does the hour with. Of course. He wouldn't do it with like, Again, it sounds like I'm slaying Hangman, but if he'd have done it with Omega, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of, if you look at Kenny's track record and his, that makes a lot of sense. Hangman's never been a long singles match guy. No. So, of course, Brian would go, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it with Hangman. 60 minutes, you know, and, and by the end of it, he's going to have me beat. It's just, just absolutely extraordinary. And I'm so, so thankful. In all seriousness, we all want wrestlers to make whatever decisions they want to make that's best for them and their families. But God, am I thankful we're getting this run because... You and I believed he was the GOAT anyway. He's he's doing us an awful favor here with this run, bro. <laughs> he, yeah, I, I was saying it during WWE, and you know, a lot of people probably didn't get why, because his WWE stuff just it doesn't stand out the way like his yeah. ROH stuff certainly did, even though he would have some great matches in WWE. This like four month run here is really showing like, yeah, th this is why. I, I was saying this stuff while he was even in WWE because we knew we all kind of knew what he was capable of if you watched him in ROH. And Danielson had these doubts too. Like he he's admitted this. He's like he's like yeah, I sleepwalk through the WWE stuff. He's like I, man, I watch AEW. It's like I just don't know if I can do that anymore. Like we know ROH Brian Danielson could do it. He's he's young. He's whatever. He's of course of course he can. He's like he's forty now. Like I don't know if I can just like do that stuff. More and Moxie's like you're Brian fucking Danielson. Of course you can do that shit. And he comes here and yes, he can do that shit still. Yeah, I mean that's hilarious for him down himself is adorable. Um, I mean all the best out themselves. Um, real quick, I want to get to to James okay. Edward Smith, and then I'm looking up Hangman Page, like his longest matches before the the Danielson yeah. match. Uh, James Edward Smith says. Kenny's promos as a belt collector still make me say it's his this year. Brian almost stole it, but Kenny, maybe it's a tie. Should wrestler of the year be a time on the draw? 
That'd be fitting. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. yeah there you go. Like PWI just has like the picture of a bell ringing. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I, I mean, either way, I think it's a fine answer. Um, yeah. I, you know, I tweeted the other night, Jeremy. I'm not sure if you saw this, but I watched the NXT 2.0 program live. Mm-hmm. And uh, world famous grappler Roddy Strong had another great match on NXT. And I tweeted after, I was like, I need you all to realize that he's been an excellent professional wrestler for much of the last 18 years. I want everyone to also appreciate that Brian Danielson's timeline not only goes back further, the peaks are higher, the lows are higher. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, the only difference is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Obviously, Danielson has the gap where he was forced into retirement, right? Yeah. But outside of that, he's honestly had a case of being the best wrestler in the world. For I would say, trying to think about this. If you said active, he's had 15 years. I would say at least 12 of them. He's had a real case of being the best wrestler in the world. And <laughs> his standard is such that you can kind of take that for granted, right? But like, you mentioned the Kenta match. He's deep in his run there in Ring of Honor. Because there are a lot of people that I respect that prefer like 04 before being champ, Brian, to the one that was the, you know, the Ring of Honor champ. So the idea that we're now 15 years removed from that, absurd. Makes no sense. And he don't even look like he's close to slowing down. So He he said the next three years, like three years. He's given himself yeah. another three years of, of this, this kind of level. And like it, we mentioned, uh, like he had doubts coming into AEW. Then he's there and he's like, oh yeah, I definitely got at least three years. Like he doesn't have the doubts. He believes he has these three years. After these three years, maybe the Dallas creep in. And he could probably still go for another five years at this yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, and that's the big question is, can you avoid – I think we both agree Hangman should have a real reign first. Yeah. But can you avoid Brian eventually getting that belt? I'll be honest, I don't know. You, I don't think he cares, but I'm just, you know. <laughs> you, you're pretty uh, – real quickly. Um, so Hangman's kind of longest singles matches. Uh, Omega went went 25 minutes. The Jericho match went went 26 minutes, uh, the, the, the first all-out 2019. And then 
Like that's kind of it. And then he went uh, t- 25 minutes with, with Jay White in 2018. Otherwise, like a lot of just, you know, tight 12 to, to yeah. 17 minute kind of stuff and, and a lot even less than that. So he's gone over 20 minutes like three times. Lest we career. forget, Jeremy, before we circle back to the topic, because this is worth talking about. Hangman is not an AEW guy in the sense that people that watch Ring of Honor saw him on their promo, their, their product for years, right? He was there for quite a bit in Ring of Honor, yeah. I want to say, right? But the reason he's the, the first ace to me of AEW and why he's so important is because this is his first run as the top guy. Yeah. In fact, a top guy, which he just laid out perfectly those match times. He was not a guy that had like main event matches in Ring of Honor. In fact, he was often dismissed as kind of a bland project on the in the in the mid card on the underneath so it's really important when people talk about who's the ace of promotion it's really important to not lose sight of the fact that there's more to it than just being the best wrestler or the best promo or having the best look there's other factors the reason hangman is such a great ace for AEW, and you know is one they need to really build and make sure is central is because this is his first chance to really be that guy and it's happening on AEW tv that matters but with that being said, I throw it back to you. The the difficult question, which is, how do you keep the belt off this dude forever, right? <laughs> you you've booked the the CM Punk angle, which I absolutely love. Punk and then getting to Kingston, but man, it feels very tough to deny Brian Danielson of of getting of getting this belt. I think if you're gonna beat Danielson, like Hangman should be the one to do it, and they're gonna do the rematch. So. Either Danielson wins the title then, or Hangman Hangman beats him. I'm with you that like they got to do this soon. Like, I don't think you can delay this Hangman and Danielson rematch yeah. for too long because if you do that, then like what do you do? Danielson just like beats people on his way to the top. Like it looks like Hangman's almost like avoiding him, unless yeah. you want to do like Danielson avoiding him. But maybe you could do that. It doesn't it doesn't work perfectly, but you could do that. Yeah. Like you can't do Hangman avoiding because Hangman's no. story based on this is like I had you beat at sixty and then the the bell rang. So unless Danielson is gonna avoid and be like doubt and be like you didn't have me beat and all this stuff and he wants to just wrestle wrestle other people and do that. That's one way to do it. But even for Danielson, that doesn't feel right. Like for Danielson, based on how this match ended, it would be like you didn't have like I was gonna kick out of your move. Like you know, it, give him some respect and everything mm-hmm. but still still be brian danielson of like you know you hit me with your best stuff you couldn't put me away i was gonna kick out i was gonna beat you type of thing. yeah and that's why i think you've got to do this like sooner rather than later as far as like putting the belt on danielson i don't think he cares he clearly doesn't need it people are going to care about his matches regardless but man a brian danielson like world title run whether it's babyface or heel it just yeah. it feels like it needs to happen pretty soon and i don't know i don't know how you get out of that because people love hangman and i'm not saying you got to cut hangman's run short or anything but it feels like by the end of next year danielson's got to hold that belt at some point yeah and this is kind of what we talked about last night regarding kevin stein and it's like the way AEW does their title reigns, you know, look at the brief history we've had so far. They're not looking to, you know, throw this belt around kind of every which way. They want these, you know, these reigns to be worthwhile. And I think minimum, Hangman has to hold it through to double or nothing. And that's six months. That to me is like, that's a good point to go, okay, whatever you get after that, I'm open to. Before that, I feel like he needs to be holding. But that's just me personally. 
I'm sticking to my guns on Punk. The real question is, when you look ahead and you go, okay, it's time to put the belt on Adam Cole, or it's time to put the belt on um, MJF, it's going to take a really brave booker at that point in time, if Brian's still where he's at now, to be like, yeah, definitely Adam Cole or MJF's above him in that. And again, he may be at a point in his career where he doesn't want that belt. And in that case, Tony Khan sleep easier at night and figure it out. But as a fan of the product, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm not fascinated by Brian being the champion in a way that I'm simply not for those alternatives. That is not a criticism of Adam Cole or MJF. That is the reality of being on the same roster as the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. You know, so I think um, it's a real topic. I think Punk, especially because Punk turning heel is what I always sort of associate with him as champ. I think there's there's something to be said for him having that belt, and it's more important than Brian. I just really, yeah, I think Punk as champ business wise could be could be a real big thing. I really do. I've always believed that, right? And like, mm-hmm. especially if you put a hot act around him, I'm not sure who that'd be. But him as like a center of a heel group really fascinates me, and you'd have this dynamic of guys like AEW protectors almost try to get the belt back. Like, because if he turned heel to me, he would be erasing all of that stuff he said about how much fun he's having, you know? Yeah. Danielson is great that he can just kind of be this guy forever and wrestle great matches. The issue with me is when I go beyond Punk, it's like, okay, then am I really, you know, am I really going to an MJF or whoever's next? I don't want to just keep naming MJF or Adam Cole, but like, you get what I'm saying, right? It's can difficult. you... I, I, punk heel champion, uh, there's definitely money in that. If you're doing Danielson as champion... Because right now he's essentially a heel. He came out of the face tunnel, uh, but but he's a heel. He's getting <laughs> yeah. he's getting the heel reactions. Yeah. And like if he beats Hangman, he's gonna be a heel. Like, are you right. putting the belt on Danielson as a heel or a babyface? He's so hard because he's like he's such a great babyface that he literally changed how WWE booked babyfaces. Yeah. He was so good he broke their system and they convinced themselves they were the ones that did it. But as a heel, he's like full. He that's him at his greatest form, right? Yeah. Like it was the same in Ring of Honor, it's the same now. If I was to look ahead, right? This fantasy book, son. The way I right. pitched to you before was Punk screws Hangman and takes advantage of his of his kind of trust. You know, low blow, whatever, steals the belt. And my opinion was, I would then six months later at Full Gear is the name. I, would, I you know that's where my kind of timelines at. Full gear is where I would use Eddie as our first, as the first small, uh, sorry, short reign as champ. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Eddie beating Punk completes Eddie's arc with a rematch of a bloody brawl from a year prior. And Eddie also gives you an opportunity to break the format. And he could, Eddie could be champ for three weeks a month, right? He could drop it straight when he's coming. So to me, the conversation has always been who, in my mind, would win it from Eddie? Would it be MJF? Would it be Adam Cole? Or would it be, finally, Hill Brian Danielson beating the dude that he said always didn't work hard anyway? And, you know, then you would have... Because the question is, like, who's next on the babyface side? And in that sense, you could easily say, well, Brian. Like, if you said to me instead, Jeremy, forget Kingston, you do Brian taking the belt from Punk, I can't argue with that. That's the biggest match they can make. Story-wise, I think my... Pitch is more interesting, but I'm also obviously fucking biased, right? There is the one thing I will say, and we don't talk about him on this show because, frankly, wrestling is nowhere near as important as his real life, and we love him and we root for him as John Moxley. 
let me tell you, folks, like, even when that dude's back and he's ready to go, there's a lot to be said for how important he is in this whole story. Because yeah. Mock's getting that belt back as the first two-time champ. For me personally, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself again, his life's much more important. But you get what I'm saying, right? That would be a fucking moment. So there's just there's some options there. What do you think? I think I think coming out of this hangman thing, you keep Danielson a heel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take your idea and I'm gonna kinda add a little to okay. it there. So you keep Danielson a heel. We all think Kenny's coming back as a baby face because uh, he's going to feud with the elite. Cole, Cole's going to be a heel. Um, I, the Bucks might even turn baby face with Kenny because Undisputed Era. O'Reilly's going to be there next week and Fish is there. Um, so you, you have that there. You keep Danielson a heel. You do the heel turn with Punk. You do what with, with Punk? You do the Danielson-Punk tag team that they've been wanting to do, like oh, with Punk as a champion. You yeah. do the Kingston win that you talked about, but this is how you thread to Danielson and Kingston because yeah. Danielson and Punk have been teaming. Danielson just basically comes out and, you know, they, they've worked, they've probably worked tag matches at this point, Kingston and let, let's say Moxley. Um, oh, that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Can you yeah, imagine? Kingston, Kingston Moxley against uh, Punk and Danielson. Yes. Um, so you do that match at, at full gear and then, yeah, winter is coming. You do Danielson uh, against Kingston. Danielson can win it there as a heel so because i think at some point we're getting that danielson and punk tag team i don't know how long the run's gonna be but we're gonna get that like they like they want to do that they've been wanting to do it for years we're, we're gonna get that at some point so i think that's that that's what i would try to how i would add on to what your story is which i which i think is already amazing and then you would have this dynamic where clearly punk would feel a certain way about brian as champ right yeah You'd have a lot to do. You know, eventually, you ideally would end up in a spot where by mid-2023, Brian has handed it on to your next baby face, maybe a John Mox, we don't know, right? It could be a noob. It could be a guy like Jungle Boy. You can't in the future. It's we're two years ahead now. <laughs> but then you could end up in a situation where Brian and Punk have a blood feud after a year of kind of being friendly and teaming. There's so much you can do, and this is why – and again, this is really – like, I don't want to make, come across a certain way. But this is what I was talking about last night in the we all need to have these kind of, even if you just do it in your head or you talk to a friend or you do a podcast, whatever you do, try and map out this belt. Try and map out these main event players. Try and figure out how their progression is going to do. If you want to, you don't have to. Obviously, you can just watch a show like a normal person. If you want to be a nerd like this <laughs> and realize something that's dawned on me in recent months with these additions, which is like this roster is kind of full. And that doesn't mean you don't add someone of Swerve's caliber or of Keith Lee's caliber or of Athena's caliber, especially the woman's side. There's definitely, you know, I think more space. But look at what we've just sat here and try and figure out from the world title scene and look how many names we didn't bring up. You know, we, we got to 2023 <laughs> without mentioning Ricky Starks, who we love. Like, yeah. God, I mean, we both think the world of him. Adam Cole, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. Like, there's a lot all, here. All of those guys you mentioned um, are... Like they're all relatively young, especially compared to, to Punk and Dancy. Yeah. Like you've got to maximize that's my right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, what you have with, with Punk and Danielson because mm -hmm. they ain't gonna be around forever. Danielson said three years. I, I don't know how long Punk, but he's he's obviously up there in age. These Coles, Darby's, MJFs, and stuff, they got many, many more years. They don't need the belt yeah. right now. That's that's not something you be like, oh yeah, you gotta put the belt on MJF in the next years. MJF has got another five years to win this belt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not as concerned with, with these guys. Cause I know they're going to be fine. Like right now with the, the talent you have, you got to maximize. I think you got to maximize Kenny 
because, and I think Kenny yeah. is like, you just did what you needed to do with him. And I don't know if he's going to get that belt again, but he'll obviously be in a high profile position, but you've got to maximize Brian and you've got to maximize punk and probably even like Kingston because Kingston yeah. doesn't yeah. in how old Moxley Moxley's kind of up there as well. Mid thirties, I'd say, yeah, I know that he's younger than King, right? Cause King's 40. So yeah. So yeah, I, no, no, I, but you, you're right. You're you got to yeah. maximize these guys for, for the next few years with, with that world title. And then you can worry about your 20 year olds who will have their time. Right. And it's, it's going to be challenging there. Look, yeah. I want to be honest, folks. There are going to be some really talented dudes that fall for the cracks on this thing. There just is. It, I, and doesn't, that's not a knock on backstage morale or any of that stuff. It just, that's the reality of like, you have to maximize certain assets. And where I look at where punk and Brian are at right now, especially, and especially Brian, like as though Punk's not been fucking awesome, you know, like both of them. When you look at where they're at right now, I think you're, you're spot on. You you have to, you know, if you're going to bring them in, you've you got to make the most of it. Now, Kenny's interesting because I've said this to you before, in my mind, Punk's big pay-per-view defense before he dropped to an Eddie would be against Kenny. And I did that in the stadium, you know, Punk and Kenny Omega, babyface Kenny Omega, I think would be magnificent. Um, I think Kenny, when he comes back, is going to be. I don't want to be a say like he'll have exhibition matches because that sounds kind of lesser than what I'm imagining. I imagine him as like the big match guy that you you kind of save for the big marquee blockbusters. Maybe each year he has one conflict and feud, but mostly he's the guy that people just want to see that dude wrestle and want to celebrate him, and you book him accordingly. I mean, you could even do like. You could easily, with him as a baby face, just like, yeah, we're going to do him and Okada at pay-per-view. Enjoy it, you know? <laughs> do one press conference angle or something. Like, I think people have booed Kenny for long enough and the whole audience absolutely loves him and you just treat him as, like, the big match guy, best bout machine, a superstar, a legend, all of that stuff. Because I think that's how the audience sees him and you embrace that. I think it's... I think I think so too, but Kenny wants to tell stories, man. Like he, stories, yeah. yeah, he still wants to, he still wants to do that, and I just don't okay. know if he's just gonna be like, all right, I'm just gonna be kind of big match Kenny Omega and just work kind of super shows. I think he's gonna still be that same guy. Like, I'm gonna go out there sort of every week and still, like, maybe he for the television stuff and whatnot, he, he tones it down a little bit. But I think that he's gonna, he's gonna still want to go out there and try to tell these well, kind of long term stories and really put himself in harm's way with a lot of this stuff, but like maybe, maybe the big match Kenny is kind of the story of like, you know, he's lost a step. He lost the hangman. He, yeah. you know, he he's beat up. He's a little bit broken down compared to what he used to be. The first story they got to wrap up is obviously the elite. We know where there's a big one. Yeah, that's yeah. A big, big, yeah. Yeah. After that, then you can kind of start playing. Okay. Where does Kenny fit in? But I think that's going to be like, let's assume he comes back in February, they ain't wrapping that up at a revolution or anything. That thing's right. probably not going, that thing's probably going to like all out or something. So I think yeah. Kenny for the majority of the year is going to be doing stuff with, with a undisputed elite. Yeah. That's, I mean, that would be one of the, like I mentioned maybe if you, you have one big conflict or feud a year, him and Cole is obviously one of the big feuds and yeah, it's difficult because he would have just come back and that's why you're right. You'd have to delay it some. Kenny Omega's kind of, his role there would be when Adam Cole leaves this feud with you and you guys have multiple major main event matches, we need the audience to be desperate for Adam Cole to be the world champion, even as a heel, right? Kenny Omega, I've said this before, I think there's a lot of things Adam Cole does better than Kenny Omega. 
I don't think he has the presence of Omega. I don't think he has the feel of a, of a, of a star like Omega does, who's travelled the world and been a main event guy. I think the idea would be when you do that feud, you want Cole to get that, you know, kind of rubbed off on him. And that's, Kenny can do that and he's sleep, right? So yeah. <laughs> I don't have any doubts about that. Now, a couple of things quickly. Um, we got a couple of teasers of debuts last night, right? And mm-hmm. and we both believe O'Reilly's, if he's not the present, the surprise gift, he's coming real soon. How do you, fantasy book a little bit more here me, what do you think is going to happen with this Undisputed Era deal? Like, are we going to have him as a five-man faction? Are we going to split? What do you think is going happen here? I think the start, it's going to be a five-man faction. And then Cole is obviously like the the middleman of all of this. And I think that's just how they play it until Kenny comes back. And then you do Elite and, and Undisputed Era. I mm-hmm. think that's the way they, they, they'll they slow play it a little bit. Because I don't know when, when Kenny's coming back. Like they, they've said February. They might hold him off until after Revolution. Because, you know, well, if you're going to bring him back in February, you don't want to rush anything for, for Revolution. Uh, so... Yeah, it, we all assume O'Reilly's coming in next week, and I think they just do a five-man faction thing, and they all be—they're all like buddy buddy at first, and then mm-hmm. you start to see the little bit of you know things kind of unraveling as Adam Cole's attention gets kind of pulled in two ways here. Who would be the the heel or the baby face in that? Who, how, what like you know would Kenny come back and make the Bucks baby faces? Would they have already been turned on, and Kenny makes a save? Is that what you? Kind of I, I think yeah, I think you gotta go babyface bucks because we think Kenny's going babyface. So I yeah. the best way see I would kind of prefer that Kenny turn babyface by like going back with Hangman and writing he's wrong in that regard. Okay. And I don't know if you can do that. You could do it that way because the, the Bucks kind of accepted what happened at the end of full gear. But like, yeah. But I have this vision in my head of okay. Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just I see this idea of like the Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman two mm-hmm. after like two years removed from the original, and it fascinates me that as an idea. That's the only thing. Okay, so you're keeping Bucks heels then? I think so. Yeah, but I also mm-hmm. get your like, I also get your take not just in the way you said it, but in addition. Like, who's left for them to wrestle on the babyface side, you know? Like, they've been heels now. They wrestle every team in the division. <laughs> like, See, my... Like, the Bucks are better as heels. They've been great yeah. during this run. But if Kenny's going back with Hangman, like, the Bucks kind of... They did the nod of approval thing. Oh, yeah, that's fair. So, like, they... they Why would they have, like, any type of issue uh, with that? Like, if anything, Kenny would have an issue with them, and this is how you keep the, the Bucks... Uh, this is how you kind of keep Kenny heel, is, like, well, you guys, you gave him... But I think this is how you can kind of link all four of these guys yeah, yeah. back together in some way. Um, yeah, I, I think Kenny's coming back babyface, and I think the Bucks are, are going babyface as well. Uh, I mean, as far as other non-surprises last night, the lights went out, and uh, the fiend Bray Wyatt did not appear. I was <laughs> – let me tell you, Joseph, when I – the tissues were, were out, I had to be very consoled that, you know, the fiend did not show up to attack FTR and MJF and everybody – just, just very sad. Very sad that it was just Sting. We got Sting last year. Where was it's the fiend? Wrestling may be subjective. If at any point in your life you see Sting and you're like, fuck, I was hoping for Wyndham. I'm sorry to hear that. Very, con- I'm very concerned about what's waiting for me when this farm is removed from the... <laughs> I have my own take on one of those now. I don't have it by hand. I'm going to get it for the post show. Um, tune in for that. Uh, no, but look, I... Like if you're a big fan of Bray Wyatt, bless you. I understand it's 
you're like you're kind of waiting, and he because of the way he is, he's not going to tell you anything until something happens, which is, you know, I get it's frustrating, but like for me personally, <laughs> I could there is no point in my life I'm going to see Sting and be like, God damn it, I hope it wish this break worked. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was obvious it was Sting because they were me the, too. They shot the angle last Friday. I don't know. I like I can't dunk on it too much because legitimately multiple people you and I are both either friends with or respect thought it was going to be like someone else. But I am slightly confused as to why people thought it was going to be someone else. Of course it was Sting. Come on, guys. And then, it's, and then you should have immediately been like, oh, CM Punk trios. I do love the new thing where they go, like, Tony Khan's going to make an announcement. So, like, he kind of, like, saw the future. Like, he knew. <laughs> like, he spoke to Sting and was like, hey, man, like, I think I think FTR are going to go out. So, make sure. But I'm going to turn the lights out for you. So, make sure you get in the ring quick. We're going to give you, you know, and then hopefully Punk comes out and helps you. Because I'm hoping to run a six-way for uh, or a trios match for next, you know, for Christmas next week. Dude. Listen, man, he's a great booker. He sees the future, you know. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, you got to have foresight on these things. Um, there was supposed to be an Owen announcement last night, wasn't there? Like, I, yeah. I've thought that's what they were setting up when they're like, oh, Tony Khan has a big announcement. And then it was just that that match, which, look, I'm looking forward to this match. But like you said, it's like, yeah, Tony Khan just saw the future on that. <laughs> like, it felt like there was supposed to be some type of own announcement. And I don't know if they ran on time or what happened, but... So... The confirmed shoot, who's a great broadcast journalist, you should all follow at confirmed shoot. He informed me that they've recently changed the rules in Canada in terms of attendance. They're back to 50% capacity. And they get, oh. and we kind of, you know, not exactly investigative journalism, but we kind of get the sense that maybe the, the announcement was our first show in Canada that will host the Owen. Because let's be honest, that feels like you, like if, if they're not, you would just wait, right? Like you might as well yeah. do it in Canada and wait. So, that, that that's probably part of it, or they may have just forgot, <laughs> which is equally likely. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think I get why people expected a debut. I just I think when you get a sixty minute draw on TV featuring Brian Danielson, you should probably not be too upset that Wyndham didn't show up. No, there was way too much. We talked about it on the pre-show. Just way too much talk about like, oh, what debut they had. They had Sting last year. What are they doing this year? Like, just enjoy what they're they're putting in front of you with this roster and these matches. Yeah. And everything like you don't got to wait for this this next big pop and everything. They're and gonna like, run Tony, out. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna run out. Like Tony Khan's feeding into it. Like he, all these yes, interviews. Like I got my eye on this guy. Wait till yeah. what we do here. And like like they got O'Reilly coming. They might have other guys coming and whatnot. So like mm-hmm. they're gonna have these pops. But like don't get caught up in just waiting for it, waiting for it, speculating Absolutely. for it, speculating yeah. for it. You don't have to do that. And I said, you This one's for all pals and O'Neal. Such a feed from the jaws of victory with the pop gun and the chubby cheese. Distraction. Hey! Podcast. We were filled. Wins and losses. Don't be shit. So watch Joseph Grinch as I do his bit. Distraction. Hey! Roll up. Hello, welcome everyone to Robert O'Neill's Corner 3. History Bottle! Hello, Robert O'Neill. Joker, Jeremy, how you doing? It's good to see you guys. It's good to see you as well, buddy. Tremendous yeah. background. Well, I'm just hanging out here in my living room. You know, I'm in the Christmas spirit today, so I got my sweater, I got my uh got my cocoa here. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm excited, man. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be here next week because it's travel day for me. So I want to do my Christmas stuff this week. 
This is the greatest moment in distraction history, I think. Because <laughs> it isn't quite working at the degree you intend, because your microphone is like beaming yeah. through the. But you know, it's fine. Let's go with it. You get what you get, I suppose. <laughs> then, right? Okay. You ready? Are you ready, O'Neill? Yeah. Well, um, you know, let me just set this up real quick because I am probably going to need most of the three minutes. You know, uh, last night a lot of people watched Brian Danielson and Adam Page. About three or four times as many people watched the Young Rock Christmas special. So uh, today we're going to talk about that, because that's really what people are here for, and Young Rock has been such a focal point of this segment, so we're going to go back to our roots here. Here we go, everybody. Robert O'Neill's Corner 3. Okay, so we open in a workshop where there's kids, they're like being worked by this uh, mean guy. They're told they won't get any presents this year, but someone breaks down the door, and it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's playing Big Tim, because he's Tiny Tim, but he's all grown up. They need to get out of here because uh, they got to go save Christmas. Uh, you know, someone has kidnapped Mrs. Claus and stole Santa's sleigh and taken the city of New Orleans hostage. But then we cut. It's just a movie. We don't have to worry. But Dwayne's not happy. He's one of the child actors. And uh, he wants to replace him with Kevin Hart. Um, he's got to nail the part or the movie's going to fail. So he goes over and he starts, you know, talking to the kid and be like, hey, you know, Christmas Carol, it's a real thing. It happened to me. So go back in time to uh, 1982 Hawaii, where he's in the audience of wrestling matches with mom and grandma and Andre the Giant and Randy Savage and all of them are there having a real special Christmas match. They go back to the house and, uh, you know, Young Rock's excited to open his presents. He's getting a Cabbage Patch Kid, so he's really excited, going to bed early. So he gets up in the middle of the night and goes out to uh, investigate what's going on with his presents and he sees himself from the future. Uh, future Rock tells Young Rock that tomorrow's going to be the worst day of his life, actually. Young Rock is confused about, you know, what's going on. So he goes and looks at his present. It's actually a knockoff Cabbage Patch Kid. And Future Rock says it's only going to get worse from there. And they're going on an adventure. Um, so let me go to Pennsylvania in the uh, 1987. Future Rock and Young Rock are in a mall. Um, they all got jobs at the mall for the holidays, trying to make ends meet. Uh, Rock's at Elf and Rocky Johnson's Santa. Uh, Rocky's trying to draw more attention to Santa. So he kind of rips the sleeves off the suit and does a Santa with muscles thing. Uh, kind of embarrasses Dwayne a little bit, doesn't want to be an elf, doesn't want his friends to see him. So he runs into his ex-girlfriend, Karen, with her new boyfriend. And, uh, you know, they're kind of looking down on him being like, hey, you're just an elf, you know, who cares, man? And uh, so he gets in a fight with this guy, hits him with an inflatable candy cane and kind of like spears him through the Santa's workshop thing and just cause the whole mess. And so, uh, you know, 1987 Rock and 1982 Rock both leave. They go up the escalator in the mall and they're like, oh, that was probably our worst Christmas but then we see Miami Hurricanes rock, and he's like, just wait, it gets worse. So then we're in Miami. Um, you know, he finishes the workout, and he calls home to talk to his parents, says, you know, he can't come home for Christmas. He's got to train for the Fiesta Bowl. But actually, he doesn't want to be around them because, uh, you know, things aren't going well with them right now. They're going through some issues, and he just doesn't want to deal with it. So, you know, he hangs up with them, and we see Ed Orgeron again. And he's like, hey, you know, if you're all alone for Christmas, why don't you come spend it with me and my mom? So they go there, and... Uh, you know, it's not what he's used to. He's used to these kind of Hawaiian big Christmases, and it's just two people. They're just kind of hanging out, making gumbo. And, uh, you know, Coach O's mom has to go to the bathroom, so Dwayne's like, oh, you know, I'll stir the gumbo. And he puts salt in it, and you can't do that. You know, she uh, made it the way she made it for a reason. So she has, like, this episode, and uh, she's going to the hospital because she's not doing well. <laughs> that has been Robert O'Neill's corner three. History panel. That man's blowing sky high. O'Neill's doing some jumping jacks like Danielson. 
He's so out of breath. He was talking so quickly. He was going, bro, don't worry, mate. If, if we missed out on the end of that, no one would have given you shit for it. Try and take your breath for yourself, man. Good Lord. That was incredible. What a way to follow a 60-minute Broadway, brother. Amazing. Uh, Ryan Sullivan left us super chat said for how much you guys just made me laugh. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was true. Man. I was too, but I have to say in fact, that comment could very well be about just Bob's video <laughs> and him going, Hey guys, <laughs> wait, Merry Christmas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't finish by the way. There's still more, but There's I'm more. not gonna do it. Yeah. Bob man, yeah, you think about I didn't words. know if there was more because, like, you just stopped for the final two seconds. Yeah, okay, well, because that it. was the first time I looked at the clock because I'm like, oh, I wonder what time we're at. And then I just like, <laughs> it's not worth finishing. I mean, so how it ends is, like, they learn the meaning of Christmas and this kid's like, oh, you're right. And then they make the movie. 800 words, did you say? <laughs> yeah, it's a 22-minute show. Oh, my goodness, Bob. What is, what is <laughs> happening over there at headquarters, man? <laughs> You know, I just, I wanted to get back to my roots because, uh, you know, it's it's an important yeah. segment. It's an important time of year. And, uh, is, yeah. you know, just wanted to spread the message and, and to everyone. Bob, lest, lest we forget the law of you wearing that particular Christmas jumper on today, you know, feels like it was a choice, right? Well, it's the only one I have. I should hey, probably get a new one, but hey, yeah, hey, Bob, it's on purpose. Throw up, the, throw up the Undisputed Era thing. I don't, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you can't do it? I can't do it with my fingers, man. I've tried. Like, it just doesn't. It's just <laughs> your fingers don't cooperate. Wait, hang on. Now I'm confused. It's a U and an E, right? Yeah, but you gotta like, do the... them at the same time. It's like. You gotta do them at the same time. What the fuck? What's going on here? <laughs> it's tough, man. All right, fine. Isn't no, it? Right. How's it go? It goes like that, right? Yeah. Like that? There you go. There you go. That's right. Now you're right. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that is undisputed, or whatever they say. <laughs> Uh, Frank says, pals, my business is on fire figuratively, so I'm not able to watch live. I'm popping in a Christmas sweater. It does make me feel better, though. All hell. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just popping at the idea of Bob watching NXT TakeOver, looking at his hands, being like... <laughs> How do you do this? <laughs> and he finally gets one hand right, and he's like, oh, shit, man. What am I... <laughs> he's just sweating bullets while he watches Undisputed Era matches. <laughs> Oh man, O'Neill, are you doing the post show with us? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't know what we're doing on the post show. Maybe we'll talk about something that isn't Brian Danielson. Yeah, maybe not. Like, maybe <laughs> let's not, keep talking about Brian Danielson. Yeah. All right, uh, O'Neill, do do some plugs and things like that. Yeah, you follow me on Twitter at Robert O'Neill thirty one. I'll do that. Uh, you join us for the post show. Um, go back and watch some other stuff we've done this week. I was on the Ring of Honor show as usual. Um, they did a Dynamite preview yesterday, which, I mean, I guess Dynamite's already happened, but you can go back and watch that anyway. Who cares? Um, yeah, we don't really talk about Dynamite, to be fair. Bob. Yeah, we fuck. don't. We talked about the Fed dying most of the time with that McCarthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I have to plug. Wow. Okay, that's all? Yeah. I feel like there's more, but he's a coward. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, don't you do, like, other stuff? Don't you? Aren't you going to do make other appearances tonight on a different platform? He's not, actually. No, oh, tonight really? I'm going okay. to Spider-Man, but tomorrow night uh, after Rampage, we go latenightgrin.com and see us uh, the last Friday evening show of 2021. Right. We're moving to Wednesdays the next two weeks. I have to do a hard sell for this, okay? Okay. We have four more to go. We got really close last month. We're even closer now. We need four patrons and Bob will sing 
the New Age Outlaws theme song. Four. One dollar to sign up. You can cancel if you think it sucks at the end of the month. Just get us over 200 so Bob sings. I don't even care if you cancel after, frankly. I just want to see that. I'm so tired of waiting to make him sing this damn thing. For some reason, he himself decided he was going to sing this. I didn't even ask him to. So, one dollar, latenightgreen.com. There's a lot of content there um, with a lot of dumb wrestling fans, including a couple that are on screen right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's join us over there. That's the main thing to, to promote on my end, too. Um, and, yeah, the post show where we talk about the stuff that's too real for the main show, bro. I'm going to get my own Sting figurine, and we're going to, you know, compare Stings. Fair. Uh, guys, we'll be on the, the post show, youtube.com slash Fightful Distraction over there. Uh, we're close to 1,200, 12,000. I don't know, something with a 12 in it. 12K, whatever that is. Uh, 12K subscribers. Everyone go over and subscribe and say nice things about us. And, you know, we got cool content over there sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I talk to wrestlers, man. You guys want to see me talk to more wrestlers? If you subscribe, I'll do that, all right? Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it. YouTube.com slash Fightful Distraction. Go to Fightful Select. Sean broke the can we give Patreon subs like Twitch? You cannot, unfortunately, because we have tried that, and you cannot do that, which is uh, very unfortunate. Um, but you can go to, to Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming and get a bunch of subs over there because I get paid off that too, so... You know, whatever whatever gets me some money. That's all. That's what I care about. It's Christmas season, everyone. I got kids. Need some cash. Cash for all these kids. Got Christmas presents to buy, Joseph. Merry Gotta Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> See you on the post show. YouTube.com slash Fightful Distraction. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.